Howdy everybody, good to be back. Another edition of Prescription Sound here. This is your host Drew, as usual, and what an episode we have for you today. Now you may have heard of genomics, this large-scale study of genes, and perhaps proteomics, the large-scale study of proteins. Well, there seems to be a number of these omics-type technologies in science, and today we look towards metabolism, and specifically towards the newer technique of metabolomics. Joining me today is Professor Gary Sustak, who is the director at the Center for Metabolomics here at Scripps Research. So let's jump right in and find out from Gary what metabolomics is and how it can be used to investigate and then influence health status. I consider metabolomics to be um, very similar in terms of using mass spectrometry technologies to analyze as many metabolites as possible. The primary difference between the genomics and the proteomics and the um, and the transcriptomics is that metabolites are the furthest downstream, so they're closest to the phenotype. So for that reason, most people are very interested in them uh, for biomarker discovery and also for telling us something about pathways. To me, what's much more interesting is the fact that unlike proteins and unlike genes and unlike the transcripts, um, you can you could go to a catalog and pick up a lot of these metabolites that you've observed in these metabolomic experiments and buy them in some cases for as little as $10. Or you could even get them in many cases from energy drinks like Red Bull has a ton of taurine in it. And you can feed those molecules back into the system and actually impact the system. This field must just be really growing fast, especially with... Um the kind of realization that a lot of the chronic diseases we have nowadays seem to be stemming from kind of metabolic dysfunction. Absolutely. Through the enthusiasm of Eric Topol, I've become actually very um, active in Twitter. I mean, I remember Eric gave a, conver- gave a talk a couple of, it was about a year or two ago here at Scripps, and he said that Twitter will make you smarter. And I actually took that to heart because I I was really curious what he was talking about. So what I've noticed as I've gotten involved, that the number of people in metabolomics is really growing, just like you said. I mean, the interest level is huge. And this is uh, what I believe is the golden age of metabolism in that now we can, we're not only learning about systems, but we can also use the metabolites that we're observing to actually impact the systems that we're interested in. So it's so that... This goes far beyond just being observational, and now we can also play a role in what it is that we're we're looking at. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that guy's prolific on Twitter, but I guess I'll have to start following you now as well. But I, I'm I'm more of a beginner compared to Eric, <laughs> but it's 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 a great way to get information from about things that you're interested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this field must um, kind of have the advantages of the these metabolites are not just impacted by our genes, but also then the environment. So you kind of get get to see how things like, you know, nutrition or exercise impact it as well as what uh, we would normally be producing anyway, just from our, our genetic code. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's so many ways that you can impact. I mean, you can, as I mentioned, you can impact uh, metabolism with other metabolites that you introduce into your system. You can impact it nutritionally, I mean, by what you eat. You can impact it with, with supplements, which again would be nutritionally. I mean, your your metabolism changes dramatically depending on how how active you are. It's um, there's so many ways that you can impact it. Unlike um, unlike genetics, where you're to a large extent you you have what you start with. Yeah. So you mentioned this utility of metabolomics in affecting phenotype, which would be you know the health status or 
sort of disease outlook. So yeah, maybe you could um, give examples of, of how metabolomics has traditionally been used in biomarkers and, and diagnostic work versus um, how you actually can kind of affect affect the phenotype. Sure. So again, another reason why I think you're interested in this was a, a study that we recently came out with in cell chemical biology, which was uh, some work that we did on a new Pfizer combination therapy. So uh, the combination therapy that Pfizer produced was a set of molecules, lezotrol and uh, pablocyclib, which are used for breast cancer, and they attack on two different targets. It's turned out to be a very um, effective strategy for breast cancer, and, and a lot of individuals on the order of tens of thousands of individuals actually use it. So in our study, our metabolomics study, we were curious if whether xenoestrogens, as you were saying about things that we intake, um, xenoestrogens are naturally occurring estrogens that are in, in bread and um, soybeans and, and all sorts of other foodstuffs that we, that we take in. So we were curious if these xenoestrogens could potentially impact the, the therapy so because one, of the th one part of the therapy was, was going after um, estrogen receptors. Together, the two different drugs actually were having a very significant impact on the cell metabolism, which is consistent with what's happened at, at Pfizer and with why they developed this, this combination therapy. So then we looked at them with the xenoestrogens, and what we found was that the xenoestrogens were impacting the ability of the, of the combination therapy to, to affect the cell metabolism that it was before. So we take this more as good news. I mean, the, the good news is, one, that what we were observing with combination therapy was consistent with what Pfizer observed. The second thing that we observed, of course, was that the xenoestrogens could potentially inhibit that activity. Yeah. And the reason that's good news is that if you're, if you're taking this combination therapy, um, perhaps you should consider lowering your intake of the xenoestrogens that are coming from different foodstuffs so, so it doesn't impact the therapy that you're taking. Yeah, I thought it was a great paper, just not just showing the synergy between the two drugs, but also, yeah, that interaction with different things in our environment. And yeah, these endocrine disruptors, they just seem to be everywhere. They're in, yeah, different foodstuffs, you know, plastics, the BPA or the phthalates in those, yes, cosmetic yes. products. They seem to be ubiquitous in our environment. And I wonder, have you had, since this came out, have you had much response from um, different areas of the press? Do you think this kind of thing could help shape policy when it came to food or different chemicals in, in our environment? Yeah, it's interesting you ask that because that was probably one of the most publicized papers that we've we've had we had roughly 40 different news agencies cover it when it came out and mm -hmm. i think it's the whole idea of it, the exposome part of what we do at scripps is and what we've been doing at scripps has been developing a platform called xcms and metlin we've recently added within metlin which is the database of endogenous metabolites we've recently added over 700,000 exposure type molecules that were provided to us by the Environmental Protection Agency to make the database more yeah more complete for those people doing exposure research. So and that population is growing very rapidly. Cool. So yeah, so your question is 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 spot on. This is becoming a huge area and and a lot more people are getting involved with it. And that's because of the ramifications of health. One of the really exciting applications of metabolomics that we discussed has been in the understanding of metabolic diseases such as diabetes. 
Gary discusses how endogenous metabolites, so those originating in the body, can be used to impact the way we handle glucose and then the advantages of this kind of approach. Basically, what you just described wasn't something that that I've done, but actually Alan Seglitellian over at SOC and um, so when he was at Harvard, some of his colleagues actually did a very did a, a study along those lines. Mm. And what they found was a set of fatty acid um, esters that actually regulate insulin sensitivity. And endogenous metabolites typically, in many cases, are very, relatively cheap. Mm. So you could see, so that's in many cases, you can just buy them for a relatively small amount of money. Of course, there's many exceptions to that rule, but in many cases, you can buy them at a relatively low cost. But the second one, which is the one that you were alluding to, is the that these molecules are often um, safe. Yeah. Uh, because they're endogenous, they're going to be relatively safe. And that basically oftentimes eliminates one of the biggest concerns about intaking anything, which is the side effects. Sure. But the third one, which is the one that Alan has gone after, is that he can actually modulate the phenotype. So instead of instead of injecting insulin and, and taking blood samples on a regular basis, you could possibly could ingest those and actually um, modulate your insulin levels yeah. um, in, in what would be considered a fairly organic or natural sort of way. Yeah. Yeah, if a lot of these are already natural and their safety profile is, is well described, there must be huge implications here for say the supplement industry yeah that's to me that's perhaps the the the, one of the more exciting things that we're 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 trying to accomplish because the supplement industry has largely been anecdotal Mm. and the the data that we get from them is oftentimes not as scientifically rigorous as we would like it to be so i think what what we're doing with metabolomics is trying to move the bar a little bit higher as to what is the scientific basis behind taking certain molecules one of the other interesting projects gary has been involved with is one centered on specialized cells of the nervous system called oligodendrocytes which are known to be lost in multiple sclerosis their lab has been studying how the delivery of certain metabolites such as taurine in combination with a drug called meconazole can help promote the regeneration of these cells and when we did this we we saw the different dysregulation of one a set of molecules but one in particular was taurine we tested a couple of the molecules that we observed including the taurine in this differentiation process and we noticed that taurine again the the, one of the big primary ingredients in red bull (laughs) so incredibly cheap what we noticed was that taurine promoted oligodendrocyte formation by 250 percent over what you would get with just the meconazole wow and so that in itself should be drinking red bull (laughs) well so (laughs) So the, I mean, these different these metabolites can have an impact in different ways. In this particular case, it and not only was this a, a, a an in vitro assay, actually, it's been recently done in vi- in vivo as well. Sure. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned things like taurine and Red Bull, and I'm always interested in how we can optimize our performance. And I was wondering if you've had much contact with, say, sports teams about about this kind of work. Ah, that's that's actually quite interesting. I mean, I have not, but what you're what you're describing to me what, what is something I would consider a long term type of an experiment that you would do on perhaps um, 
urine analysis and plasma analysis and, and look at performance versus the metabolites that are present. So it's it would be very intriguing. Um, and I know it, uh, some of my colleagues have done these experiments where they have somebody on a treadmill and they're taking samples of their blood on a regular basis. Wow. It really is intriguing, but it, th- those types of experiments are very challenging. One of the things that you're suggesting is that, the, of course, what we're doing right now with, with drug design is one of the big problems that we have with it is we want to in, improve performance, like you're saying, with respect to athleticism. And you also want to remove, reduce side effects. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what these metabolites have the potential for doing. I mean, it, it's a, it would be a little ridiculous to assume that you could improve somebody's performance by 250%. But if you can improve it by 5 or 10% by having the right combination of metabolites in your system, and it's not and it hasn't been developed just based on uh, anecdotal experience, but it's actually being developed as a result of experimentation. Yeah. Mm. Do you do any self-experimentation with any <laughs> promising <laughs> candidates? <laughs> uh, actually, the so I'm a vegetarian. Yeah. So the answer is yes, I actually, but it was based, I think, on, on really good, I think, excellent science. As a vegetarian, I, I don't eat fish, I, and of course, I don't eat um, other red meats as well. And I've always had a thought, the thought that cognitively, at my, I, I might be suffering from that, but I didn't, I didn't really know why. But I, especially over the last couple of years, I started to become more aware of the omega three fatty mm-hmm. acids. I started supplementing with those, and as a result of my supplementation with those, that, that I've seen a, a cognitive improvement and also an improvement in my memory, sure. um, which which ha- is backed up by some by some a number of studies. But the the interesting thing about that is it does go back to metabolomics a little bit, in that if you would have looked at my brain, which is um, which obviously you can't because it's um, because I, I'd rather you not <laughs> go into my into the brain. But You're if not you, ready yet to sacrifice <laughs> yourself for science. But if but if you could, um, as a result of my diet, there is probably a deficit of DHA mm-hmm. in 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 my um, in my brain, um, which would make sense because it's I didn't eat fish. And I wasn't supplementing with anything that would have produced enough of DHA. And DHA is the most prominent omega-3 in your in your brain. Cool. So you must be a pretty popular guy around scripts. Do people come to you with um, a certain disease model or chemical compound and kind of want to know what the metabolic uh, effects? Yeah, so are. there's... There's a lot going on, and the interest level in metabolism is getting higher and higher at Scripps. Uh, perhaps one of the more exciting ones is the is in the area of immuno-oncology. We actually have a couple with Luke on immuno-oncology where we have identified molecules that we're going to be testing to see how it, how impactful they are in the um, immune response process and, and how cancer is actually modulating the immune system and our technologies, specifically the metabolomics and its ability to identify these small molecule modulators is very well positioned to right. have us understand the systems even better. Do you have a sense yet of which types of cancers you think would be either easiest to unpick or easiest to uh, modulate with these techniques? Ah, yeah, so that's, again, now you're getting far beyond my knowledge base. Um, I'd be willing to try any of them, and, and we are trying any of them but i which ones would be more successful or not i i'd be hesitant to make any prediction on that 
So we were speaking about Hawaii earlier. So when you're not in the metabolomics core, ah. uh, what else do you like to do? Ah, so maybe I'll answer that in what will start off in a very negative way. <laughs> three, I guess it was three days ago, I was in a surgeon's office. Well, I was in, not only in, a, in her office, I was on her table. And she repaired, um, basically repaired a hole in my, uh, my stomach wall. So as commonly known as a hernia. Right. Fortunately, it was relatively small. It was only um, about a third of an inch, 0.8 centimeters or so. So it was okay. really small. So the reason I, you asked that question and the reason I answered this way is because all the things that I do that have gotten me to only have a relatively small hole in the wall in that part of my body is, is a relatively small price to pay. We were talking about Hawaii. Actually, last year, we I did a ride up Haleakala on, on Maui, which was just so much fun. It's wow. the longest paved ride, in the, I think, in the world. It's, um, it's a 10,000-foot climb on a, oh on a bike. Just so much fun. And, and I used to I used to compete in powerlifting. And, and, and in the past, I used to mount, mountain bike race as well. So, uh, so all these things produced a little hole in my belly. Well, you've made a great recovery, and I'm, I'm grateful I didn't schedule the interview for a few days yes, prior so am I. <laughs> actually actually we could have done it live from the, oh, the hospital i think perhaps the biggest learning experience i got from this was uh, so i was just given a couple of, i've given a small bo- a bottle of opioids to take mm. and i started taking them on thursday and uh, by friday morning i stopped taking them i mean uh, the addictive Im- yeah Im- effects i mean i'm still feeling some of the withdrawal systems from taking four tablets back on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> it's just incredible. Yeah, this is uh, a so, whole other <clears throat> whole other topic, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it, I think it would it's something that we could probably impact as well with metabolomics. Yeah. But again, I, I may be um, overly enthusiastic about my field. So, uh, speaking of learning experiences, this is perhaps my final roundup question and my favorite part of the show, which is if you could give uh, one piece of advice or some wisdom to anybody and they don't necessarily have to be a scientist and this would be in the realm of um, work self-improvement career progression life relationships all those kind of things what would it be and why hmm. yeah so i i've heard of people getting these questions i've heard the answer responses to these and they're always um very profound and, and interesting and the, and it, my gut reaction of course is to say make sure you do whatever you're going to do is fun and you enjoy it and it's and those are all absolutely true and i agree with them but but for me if i was going to round up everything that i described today i think it actually came down to um, maybe it's overly simplistic but those omega-3s i mean i've basically i've been able to impact my life using endogenous metabolites or using metabolites that could be endogenously generated but from a nutritional perspective i've actually had a significant impact on a very important part of my my body which is my brain yeah so yeah i I know your mom probably has told you to take your omega-3s but maybe it's worth listening to it for sure i think it's (laughs) really empowering when you can either take in or remove these things which are you know in our diet in our environment and and impact our health and performance so so profoundly yeah try going off sugar for a couple of days (laughs) yeah definitely all right there you have it folks this is such a fascinating area of research and the implications for health and drug discovery are just huge Big thanks to my guest, Gary, for such a great conversation, and I'll put links to his lab and the relevant research in the show notes. Oh, and make sure to follow Gary on Twitter now as well for all those breaking updates. 
Remember to subscribe to Prescription Sound on your podcast app of choice. And thanks for listening as always. Take care and I'll see you next time.